All right, we good? Yes. Well, now I am. Yes. That noise says we're not. No, I'm texting John. Please don't have an illicit affair with my husband. I'm having an illicit affair with your husband. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it has some really bad episodes. Personally, I think this is among them. We're doing episode 19, The Princess and the Singer. Slash Stinger, according to my DVDs. Sting, sting, stingers! According to kids' DVDs, this said Stinger, which would be so much better. This would be so much better. Every episode is improved by Riot, so... If Riot were in any episode that was absolutely terrible, it would suddenly be one of my favorites. Uh, this is an episode that is uh, unusual in that it is a co-writing episode. This is co-written by Christy Marks and uh, Ellen Guan. She co-wrote Night of Ghosts and Shadows with Mercedes Lackey, Summoned to Tourney with Mercedes Lackey, Freedom Flight with Mercedes Lackey. Dude, I read so much Mercedes Lackey when I was a teenager. This is this is an unexpected point of connection here. She co-wrote with Mercedes Lackey? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. She left a career in television writing, was hired by Sierra Online as a project manager, where she wrote on Wing Commander. What? She's also been credited at Monolith Productions, EA, and Disney. She currently lives in Kirkland, Washington with her husband, Stephen Beeman, and is a senior lecturer at DigiPen. What? <laughs> She's had like the best career out of all the writers we've looked up on this show. She must have worked with Christy Marks on a lot of things. Christy Marks has been like a comics and games and animation writer. Oh my god. And her only uh, filmography credits are Moon Dreamers, where she wrote an episode, and two episodes of Jim, this one and The Treasure Hunt. You mean The Treasure Hunt, the, the literacy episode? Yes. Oh my god. Ellen. Ellen, I love you. Well, Christy Marks and Ellen Guan, everybody. She's one of the founders as well as the former program chair for Women in Games. The uh, Writers Guild Special Interest Group? That's so cool. Okay, well, all that awesome stuff aside, we have a really dumb episode ahead of us. We open with the holograms in a really fancy plane, again, flying to a place called Morvonia or Morvania. It seems to switch up throughout the episode. It's fictional Eastern European country. It's right next to Prince Naveen's Maldonia. If I were to ever run a scam, I would claim I was the princess of insert Eastern European country here. Uh, it's apparently so tiny. Kimber says that the airport is almost bigger than the country. It kind of reminds me of uh, in the Venture Brothers, you've got Baron Unterbeit, who is like the doom guy. And his country is like basically a town sandwiched in between like Ohio and Kentucky. But they are being uh, flown in as guests of the royal family. And therefore, Kimber gets a talking to on the whole, being sarcastic about how tiny the country is front. They have a command performance tonight in front of the princess. And I love when we land, when we hear anyone in this episode talk, because it is all caps Europe with European accents. Everyone sounds like Dracula. Uh, they get sent to their hotel. Hotel Victor. Kimber's like, being a princess must be so much fun. And we fade cut to Kimber again in another room. And this is the Princess Adriana. Because that's right. It's a prince and pauper scenario. 
every single cartoon has to have this like list on a wall of when we're out of ideas, let's do one of these. So it's like a Princess and the Pauper episode, a Fantastic Voyage episode, a time travel episode, an It's a Wonderful Life episode tangentially related to the time travel episode, Christmas Carol episode, and then there's the very special episode, the very special drug episode. Princess Adriana, really her only difference other than being a princess from Kimber is that her voice is perhaps even more whiny than Kimber's. That's the amazing thing. She has an American accent. The Princess Adriana is exactly like Kimber, except she doesn't wear makeup. Adriana speaks properly, usually without contractions in her speech. And she doesn't scream outrageous all the time. So our plot sort of trundles forward towards its inevitable, inevitable conclusion. As we find out that the princess is tired of paperwork, uh, she's 17, she'll be 18 in a week, and that's when she gets taken the throne. She has an evil cousin named Lexa, who looks like the mean girl from Josie and the Pussycats. Also kind of looks like Cruella de Vil, a little bit. She's got little black and white hair going on. She's very fashionable. And apparently the princess is becoming difficult to control. Right, says Demetrius, whose role in this castle is unclear. He's the guy who does all the sinister stuff. That's his job. He's the sinister left hand. Lexa says after the command performance, she'll never trouble us again. So instantly we're getting in for a murder plot here. So this episode is firing on all cylinders like immediately. We cut to the princess putting on the worst cardigan. And then sneaking out of her window, uh, whereupon Alexa shows up coincidentally at just the right time to knock on the door and do a robotic repeat of Adriana, dear. Adriana, dear. Adriana. Adriana. Yeah, like they recorded one and then decided that they needed to like have her keep talking. So they just used the same clip. It's terrifying. Like you're starting to wonder if this is a skin stealer situation. And on top of that, the princess said, I'm going to go meet the band. They weren't especially concerned about that other than say she was unruly. But the fact that she's out shouldn't be shocking because she said she was going to go meet the band. But Lexa discovers that she's gone and says, Demetrius, get her back with your men. So Demetrius has men. He's got guys. Again, like, is he is he head of security? Does he just have thugs? I don't know. Speaking of people who shouldn't have thugs. The misfits are here. <laughs> we cut to the airport and the misfits are here for no reason. They don't even know why they're here. They're apparently here as tourists. Eric is apparently working on a plan and Pizzazz is like, yeah, we've heard that before. I love those moments where characters in this show for brief moments become self-aware. Like for a moment, they see the true shape of reality and are able to make a sarcastic comment about it before descending back into whatever this is. So we appear in like downtown Morvonia as both groups of glam rockers just kind of wander through the shops, as does Princess Adriana. She and Kimber bump into each other, and the first word out of their mouth isn't, who the hell are you and why do you have my face? Adriana is a huge fan of Gem and the Holograms and doesn't know that Kimber looks exactly like her. This is what freaks me out. No one does. No one has seen a photograph of Gem and the Holograms. I mean, how did Adriana get into them? Does she not even have any of their records, which would have the band on them? Yeah, but the misfits are also in the square. The misfits are looking for the holograms. They don't notice them for several minutes and it's like they're the only people with brightly colored hair here. There's only like six people in this in this plaza. Yeah, only one of them has pink hair. Pizzazz is like, what did I tell ya? Let's trash them. So we get a music video. And you'd think it would be a Misfits song, but it's not. 
holograms, here comes trouble. Which involves the misfits basically just chucking fruit at the holograms. And then a giant pizzazz shows up. Yeah, there's always giant pizzazz. That's just a mainstay at this point. Nobody's even surprised anymore. This is just a thing she can apparently do. But the video ends when the fuzz show up to chase off the misfits. Who are all dressed like nutcrackers, of course, because this is Europe. Yeah, all the police are dressed like the Nutcracker. So the holograms encounter Adriana, mistake her for Kimber, and go, we need to get out of here and drag her off. Let's keep in mind here that this is, in fact, Jerrica's sister. Not to mention Shayna and Aja are our foster sisters of this family as well. They have known Kimber since she was like seven. But no, they immediately think that this person is Kimber. Immediately. And they run with it. And Adriana does too, because... Because Demetrios's men are still sniffing around. And Demetrios's men grab Kimber. Grab Kimber and immediately shove her into the car with what looks to be a bunch of guys from a 70s cop film. Yeah, there's just some generic thugs. They don't get their own uniform. So Kimber has been kidnapped again. We've had like two episodes in a row where the all the cliffhangers are just Kimber is about to die or be kidnapped. Kimber's just a causality sink. Things keep happening to her. Like today, for instance, when she has been locked up in a cliffside dungeon. They have those. What ocean is this opening up onto? Is this supposed to be like a lake? It's got tides. Is this supposed to be the Black Sea? What body of water is this? But Kimber's in a dungeon. She's screaming about how they need to let her go. She's Kimber. She's not Adriana. And Demetrius is like, well, obviously she's she's just completely lost it. She's gone mad, he says. Meanwhile, Kimber's in the dungeon trying to escape. And the grossest rat grabs her leg. And that's what gives her the strength to jump high enough to reach the window. There's no bars in the window. No, it was just really high and they figured she couldn't get it if she jumped off of her bed. Which to be fair, it's, it's a good choice because she gets up there and she looks down and honestly, any jump from the height she's at into water that rocky is probably going to kill her. Big sharp rocks at the bottom. I mean, it's like, it's a freaking Emperor's New Groove scenario here. But Kimber dives. Kimber dives out and into the surf. And she's fine. I guess she really is the best swimmer that Steve's ever coached. The thugs come after her with a motorboat and a net and they miss. They miss because Kimber knows how to swim in deep water. They didn't account for that. They didn't account for her going deeper than like five feet underwater. They didn't account for her having been in Hawaii learning how to swim. Getting chased by a mechanical shark. Does wonders for your stroke. So Kimber uh, doubles back up the dock and runs up the stairs on the cliff face. Meanwhile, back with the band. The next day, apparently? Adriana's in bed, saying she's going to take her breakfast in bed today. So it's been an overnight thing. She's been asleep. Did she take a nap? I mean, the command performance was supposed to be the same day they arrived. She takes a nap and then she's going to have breakfast at whatever time of day it is. I mean, I have breakfast at whatever time of day it is. So Jericho wakes her up and then she showtimes, like right right as Adriana looks away, she turns into Jim. And Adriana does not put two and two together. No, she's just like, oh, Jim. I guess you're here now. Jim's like, who else were you expecting? They go to rehearsal. Adriana is acting weird because she's not Kimber. She can't play a note. She has no idea how to play piano. No one thinks this is, they're just like, what what's what's up? Yeah, they don't think it's weird that Kimber now talks completely different and has spontaneously lost the ability to play keyboard. Nope, and Lexa shows up. She's like, I came to tell you that the princess says she's looking forward to your concert. 
Did you really have to come yourself? Adrian is about to tell them, like, who she is. Then Lexa interrupts her. And then Lexa actually looks at Kimber and it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. This is a Prince and the Popper episode. All right, I can adjust accordingly. Yeah, Lexa figures that out in like five seconds. I actually do think, like, halfway through the episode at this point that, honestly, if diction is the only difference that they have, I think they play it well. Adriana does not talk like Kimber at all, aside from her voice. I like it. Yeah, if this ridiculous plot conceit is bound to happen anyway, it might as well happen like this. Oh, I'm still mad she doesn't have, like, a horrific Eastern European accent just because I want to hear her Kimber's voice actress attempt to do that. Oh, I don't think she was paid enough for that. So, meanwhile, the real Kimber wanders into a bar, which is marked by a sign of, like, a frothing mug of root beer, where a guy is just sort of practicing flower arranging. As you do. She asks for a phone by miming a rotary dial, which I think is interesting. Were touchstone phones a thing yet? I think so. But this is all irrelevant, of course, because the guy's only phone is, like, an old Alexander Graham Bell telephone with, like, the little earpiece that you detach. And, like, the little, the little bells on the front on the front of the box, and she asks the operator for the hotel. The phone rings in Gem in the Holograms room, but uh, Kimber is grabbed by thugs. And they rip the phone off the wall, which I'm sure the uh, owner is appreciative of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the owner of the beer house would have just been like, hey! Meanwhile, Adriana reveals her identity to the holograms, and that scene just sort of ends because then we have to go back to Lexa and Demetrius plotting. Yeah, this episode clips along pretty quick, (laughs) and uh, Lexa tells Demetrius to plant a bomb in this dragon statue that's going to be on stage, and that way they'll kill Adriana while she's pretending to be Kimber on stage. And the the bomb is actually in this pretty convenient tackle box marked explosives. That's how I hide my bombs all the time. It's got a nice little handle and everything. They hear some noise coming from somewhere else in the castle and Lexa investigates and she opens the doors and a music video happens. It's a Misfits song, The Queen of Rock and Roll, and it takes place in the throne room, although later we find out that no, not really. It's a garden all along? The courtyard? I don't know. But the point is the music video itself starts in the throne room. And the whole music video is like the misfits being served by the holograms. Like, that's the whole thing. Aside from them, like, flying around on a scepter. It's not a bad song, but it's, like, ridiculously short. And these songs are already quite short. So after this is done, it turns out that they're in, like, a courtyard or something. Eric introduces the misfits to Lexa. He calls her the princess. Lexa says she's not the princess. And Eric is, like, kind of adorably flustered. This was his plan, you guys. His plan was to break into their castle, hide, and then give a concert. As soon as they opened a door. His plan is terrible. His plans are always terrible. This was especially bad, though. And and honestly, I I do got to give Erica and the Misfits some credit this episode. They're actually pretty adorable this whole episode. Yeah, they're not nearly as sinister as they usually are in this episode. Lexa's like, well, no, I'm not the princess and this is stupid, but I could probably use you guys. Come on. Let's go kill a princess. Meanwhile, in Assassin's Creed, I'm not kidding. Kimber escapes the goons and goes like Assassin's Creed rooftop jumping. And then she like jumps from one roof to the other, grabs onto the ledge, hits the wrong button, falls and desynchronizes. And that's our commercial break. Yeah. Kimber's about to fall to her death from an impossible height. Memento Mori by our dolls. Of course, then when we come back from the commercial break, we find out it was not a desynchronization. It was a leap of faith. Because she uh, she grabs a laundry line and then lands perfectly in a pile of laundry. So you're right. It was absolutely a leap of faith into a, into a straw pile. Even Kimber can't believe this bullcrap that she's completely unharmed and also alive. She just sort of shakes it off. She grabs a taxi and goes to the hotel. Meanwhile, at the hotel. In a further rub on the holograms not being able to recognize 
Kimber in any faculty. They get a phone call. And Stormer impersonates Kimber and tells them to go to the plaza. And they bite instantly. They don't say, Kimber, you sound a lot like Stormer, whom we talk to a lot. So when Kimber gets back to the hotel, she runs into the room and the misfits are there because they got there first because this show and Kimber gets re-kidnapped. She tries to tell them about like the plot, but Lexa says, shush. Kimber has so many opportunities to keep talking, but she's just like, well, she told me to shut up. I guess I'll I'll be quiet. Eric Pizzazz, you can't do this. No, Eric. Yeah, Stormer's like, so you're doing what with this girl you just kidnapped? And nobody else really cares. Kimber gets kidnapped like five times in one episode, even by gem standards. This is a record. Then Lexa announces that there's going to be an explosion in the theater tonight. And Eric again is like, what? Really? An explosion? When it's like, Eric. Eric, you do this all the time. Eric, you have repeatedly tried to murder the holograms. With explosives in the past. That's kind of why it makes it adorable because Eric and the misfits are kind of like, there are ours to kill. Nobody gets to kill them but us. You stay away from our holograms. I love that Lexa, as soon as Eric shows, like, a bit of hesitation about this murder plot, she, like, paws at his face, strokes, and is like, stay away from the theater tonight or perish with your enemies. Why isn't Lexa the main villain of this show? She's so much better. Right? Kimber turns out as being kept at the top of a tower and she is told you won't jump from this room and Kimber has a taste for danger now. So she's like, we'll just see about that. And like later in, in, well, I guess like later in like five minutes, we find out this tower is literally 20 feet from the theater where they're putting on the show. Couldn't she just like yell for help? Yeah, I mean, by all accounts, I mean, it faced that little balcony that that is precariously placed where she can't actually jump from. It is within viewing distance of people coming into the manor to the concert hall. Meanwhile, the holograms can't find Kimber, so they're just going to go through the performance and just sort of wing it. Then we cut really quickly to the stage with the sweetest dragon statue that is apparently a permanent fixture. Yeah, that's just there all the time. Demetrius fills it with bombs. He just stuffs the bomb in its mouth. Because, you know, that'll work. The only guard without a hat, who is apparently a special character, his name is Corbin. He walks in and he wants to know what's going on. And Demetrius calls him Comrade. Yeah, I think Corbin is supposed to be the captain of the guard, and he's mentioned earlier, but this is his first appearance. You'd think for such a pivotal character, who's possibly a love interest for Adriana, they would have introduced him earlier. I think he had like half a line when he was like, your evil cousin is here, but that was everything. They didn't even point to him and give him a name at that point. And then we quickly cut to the concert that night. Jem has like the worst introduction of here. Instead of starting her concert, she's like, people of Morvonia, where is your princess? Like it's some kind of scavenger hunt or something. They go up to the royal box and and Lex is like, she's not well. She's in bed. And Jem's like, no, she is here. It's like a magic show. Is this your princess? Is this your princess? Find your princess. Find the lady. Find the lady. This is how they wing it. Immediately after being accused of plotting against the throne, Lexa just starts laughing. And the rest of the audience thinks, well, okay, I guess this is hilarious then. So they start laughing too. The misfits and Eric arrive outside and in a stunning show of morality. Or perhaps possessiveness, as Max suggests. They shout at Corvin of the guard that there's a bomb and that the princess is on stage. Corbin takes them at their word, which is actually a good thing because a second later on the stage, Corbin grabs Adriana and then yells, Gem! Holograms! Run! And they just kind of freeze, whereupon the misfits climb on stage and start shoving them off the stage. And they just sort of stumble away. So then the dragon blows up. Or like fire comes spewing out of its mouth. I don't know. 
And Jim goes, you saved our lives! And Pizzazz goes, yeah, well, don't get all mushy about it. They just sort of shrug it off, like, whatever. We're gonna keep trying to kill you. Yeah, nobody gets to kill you but us. Lexa has totally disappeared. Uh, Corbin and the guards run off in search of her to find her outside at the foot of the tower. Demetrius has apparently caught where the things have all gone south because Demetrius on the crumbling balcony is holding up Kimber. He's gonna throw her off the tower if Adriana does not give Lexa the throne, like, right now. Which is not how succession works. But then the best thing ever happens. Oh my god. Back to Synergy's twisted sense of humor. All Jem says is Synergy project a dragon, and Synergy does it all from there. So a big freaking dragon shows up. Lexa identifies it as the dragon of Morvonia. Because mythological significance, I guess. Corbin is apparently the only guard they wanted to animate because he goes up to the top of tower, grabs Kimber, and makes it back down in seconds to order the guards to grab Lexa. The dragon, like, lands next to Adriana and kneels, like, kneels in front of her. She goes up to, like, pet its face and it shimmers in pink lights and disappears. And, and everybody starts shouting, long live the queen, so I guess that's part of their succession ritual. Is there's a dragon involved. No wonder it was taking so long. That's how we leave Morvonia. On the plane home, Kimber, like, makes some kind of dumb joke about maybe I'm the princess, maybe I'm not, and then gives a big satisfying wonk to the camera. And because this episode has nothing in it, we immediately go to two songs and a superstar segment. And my favorite is that they do a repeat performance from the Misfits of Universal Appeal. Universal Appeal from like episode seven? Not that I'm complaining. Universal Appeal is a great song, but why here? They didn't want to do the Queen of Rock and Roll again? I know, right? They do a repeat of, of Here Comes Trouble from the Holograms. And then they go for our next superstar segment in which Ashley has actually a pretty cute dress. Ashley and friend. I don't think we actually find out this girl's name. They are dancing and somehow the friend rips her dress. She immediately jumps to the conclusion, well, I better tell my mom someone else did it. And Ashley's like, no, that's lying. Which, duh. Well, I mean, Ashley learned her lesson after the $30 honor jar situation. Yeah, the girl's like, well, my mom made me this dress. She'd be super mad if she found out that I tore it. And Ashley's like, she would be even more upset about you lying about it and putting the blame on someone else. And then Jem shows up to congratulate someone on their good decisions. And it's like, you know, your mom made that dress yourself. I think she probably knows how flimsy it is. Yeah, this is just, just poor craftsmanship on her part. Uh, you know, at least this one's a morality play instead of advice about getting good at something. And that's our frickin' episode. That's that's the princess and the singer from two incredibly talented women. Two incredibly talented women responsible for pretty much everything you love wrote this. So, you know, everyone has off days. It's actually kind of reassuring in a way. Kind of is. Nobody bats a thousand. It's fine. So join us next week for episode 20, Island of Deception, which involves the misfits getting shipwrecked together. Unfortunately, no one makes friends with a volleyball, but their outfits are all instantly ripped as befitting someone stranded on a deserted island. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We also have a Tumblr and a Twitter. We are at Gem Jam Cast on Twitter, uh, the Gem Jam for just about everything else. We are a Patreon-supported podcast. If you like what we do and you have a couple bucks to spare a month, that would be super Super cool. You can donate those to us. We have recently updated our Patreon subscriber tiers so you can get a little bit more for your dollar. So go check that out when you have a chance. Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where outrageousness is thicker than water.